Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin with Career Contessa coach Shay Burris. Welcome to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that delivers helpful, actionable career tips and advice for women so you can be more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. Today's episode is the second episode of a special four-part series called Black Women In, which will explore Black women versus white privilege. If you want a general introduction to what white privilege means, I would highly recommend listening to two of our earlier episodes on the females. I link to them in the show notes. One is called How to Be Actively Anti-Racist, and the other one is called Five Actions to Create a More Inclusive Workplace. Hi, everyone. I'm Shay, a corporate recruiting manager, career contestant coach, and most importantly, a Black woman. And I'm excited to bring the second episode in this series to you. The idea with the series was to open up a dialogue by sharing the voices and stories of ambitious and successful Black women, including advice and knowledge sharing centered around maintaining resilience as Black women. To help in this conversation, I've invited three of my girlfriends, Jasmine Anderson, Stephanie Kimu, and Nevia Bradshaw, to join me in these important conversations. And now, this is The Females. I'm so thrilled to welcome back Shay, Jasmine, Stephanie, and Nevia to The Females for episode two in our special series. Hi, ladies. Welcome back. Hi. How's it going? Awesome. Well, so this episode is focused on Black women versus white privilege, which this is obviously a huge topic. And we kind of wanted to narrow this down to some sort of starting point. And so for this topic, we turn to Rachel Cargill, who is a Black American author, academic speaker. If you guys don't know Rachel, look her up on Instagram and everywhere else. Her work is amazing. And in 2018, Rachel wrote an article for Harper Bazaar called White Feminism is White Supremacy in Heels. I'll link to it in the show notes. One of the things I found really interesting in the article is that she describes something called, quote, the toxic white feminism playbook, which includes tone policing, spiritual bypassing, white savior complex, and centering. These are terms that for a lot of people are maybe new, but you guys can read this article again and and learn more about them. She really breaks it out specifically, which I I thought was helpful. I want to ask you guys and have this as our starting place. Can you share your experience with white feminism, white privilege, and really any sentiments to this playbook? And I'll let anyone start. I think it's important to make sure to explain what white privilege is most specifically to our white listeners. White privilege actually has nothing to do with anything monetary, has nothing to do 
with your class, your family lineage, nothing like that. It has everything to do with the color of your skin being the reason that you can live a normal life. Like the definition of white privilege is legitimately not knowing until you are today years old that you have a different life experience than all others that don't look like you. Legitimate. I think it's also important to mention that white privilege means that you get to just live your life while we navigate through life. Yeah. Yeah. I would echo that because it's it's really the privilege of having set the standard of what others need to encounter as they interact. And that's really where the privilege part of it comes in. It is you that have established the settings and the ambiance. <laughs> it's them, it's they who have established code switching, right? Like black code switching is adopted to white standards. It's our way of conforming essentially in the workplace or in your peer groups or what have you uh, to make others comfortable. Yeah. And I think it's uh, what makes white privilege so dangerous is you can opt in or opt out of like caring about something. So mm-hmm. black lives matter cares. It matters now, right? <laughs> to white folks, but they, they could opt out. You know, Lauren wanted to create a space where black women came and spoke about our experiences, but if she didn't, career contessa would have continued. She mm-hmm. would have been a successful person. And once this ends and there's no more space, more or less, the platform won't be terribly impacted. And so that's why I feel like white privilege is so dangerous, especially in professional settings, because if a black woman is being paid less, being mistreated, being gaslit, white women around her who have more proximity to power and privilege can opt in or opt out of supporting this woman. Mm-hmm. And that's why I never feel safe around white women, honestly. I mean, it's, it's hard for me even to say out loud because I have so many white women around me, but I, can't, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel safe when they can mm-hmm. opt, opt out. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, white privilege goes a step further with what Stephanie was just saying, where Black Lives Matter becomes a marketing effort, a marketing tool. It becomes of the moment where now all of your white women friends are feeling that guilt of, oh, I never thought I was racist. So now you then have to add in the fact that your privilege allows you to complain, which I know we kind of talked about in the last episode, about how I'm now making you feel when I'm being upfront about how my safety is impacted by you and your privilege. Mm-hmm. And now I have to be cognizant of your feelings of, no, I'm uncertain. And Mm -hmm. that is the privilege. And I was reading something earlier today where white privilege is not actually like, how many white people actually have to speak for like their entire racial group? How (laughs) white people have to be like, well, I don't know how we got our hair like this. Or I I don't know why our skin is so soft. Like white people don't have to do that. But Black people do. Black women do. Well, how come, why do you guys dance so well? Your white privilege allows you to be okay with asking me that question. And then I answer <laughs> it. And then I answer it. So there's challenge in that. Let's take a quick break to talk about your budget. I know, I know, it's a stressful time to think about money. But luckily, I have a tool to set you up for financial success. It's called You Need a Budget. 
And let's face it, we all need a budget. You Need a Budget is unlike other financial tools or budgeting apps that you've used in the past because it's designed to help you actually succeed at budgeting. I know, crazy concept. You Need a Budget teaches you their four cardinal rules to finally succeeding at budgeting so that you can prioritize your budget to work for you and your unique needs. In fact, most new budgeters save about $600 in their first month. Yes, you heard that correctly. $600 in their first month and $6,000 in their first year using You Need a Budget. That's enough money to give a little peace of mind and spend your time and energy focusing on your passions instead of your bank account. Join the thousands of budgeters who have changed their lives using You Need a Budget and sign up for a free 34-day trial at youneedabudget.com slash females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S. Again, last time, you guys, You Need a Budget. It's the money management tool that changes lives. You can start for free right now. Just go to youneedabudget.com slash females. All right, now let's get back to the show. I think one of the things I really struggled with with this topic is because when you think about the narratives and the the things that have surrounded your life for so long or your existence for so long, it's really hard to decouple what is genuine friendship and allyship versus what is how they've tokenized Black success. Or I, for a long time, have been one of the only... I have a lot of friends, you know, of different races and all the things. And I think for a lot of time, it was okay in my mind and and my immediate circles is mine for me to be the only Black friend, right? Mm -hmm. Because we we made Black success an exclusive thing. It was, oh, you know, the one one family in the quota sack that made it with us. So, you know, we have Black friends and we're diverse. And it's, that's, I think, what's challenging is, you know, experiencing white privilege so close up that you... It's all that you know. Yeah, and you can't even swat it away. It's like smack, keep smacking you with people's what we should privilege. And like now it's just a part of our day. Well, we've bought into it. Even like to Jasmine's point about the standards of professionalism. Like we've bought into that. That's why like we code switch. That's why we wear our hair a certain way. That's why we have anxieties about the things we're wearing. Like, you know, and so that means that we've bought into it. That's how close it is to become part of our psyches and now we can't be ourselves and we don't have the privilege of being we don't have the privilege of wearing our hair the way it grows out of our heads that's how bad it is for black women some of us don't don't feel confident enough to wear our natural hair because we're going to be accosted we're going to have all the fingers in on our scalp any moment you know by all of our basic level like we don't have the privilege of wearing our hair the way it grows out of our heads i Mm -hmm. think this like umbrella of that's our reference point in terms of freedom like white privilege is freedom you can be freaking free as as much as you want Mm -hmm. to sit around with all like you could be with all white people and it won't matter to your brand. It won't matter to how much your, your coworkers, your whole life as a white person could be around just white people. You could, and that's a privilege because you don't have to think about anybody else at work. You can be around all white people, but black people, we can't even be around all black people at work because then people are going to think we're, we're labeled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the black girl crew. We are then 
you know, segregating ourselves, self-segregation, whatever that that means. Yeah, <laughs> literally, I was reading from Black Enterprise. They had done, because, you know, they do the 16 things Black people wish white people never said to us. And so they did the opposite. So there were like 16 things white people wish you didn't do or didn't say. And I was like, first of all, no, but I read it. And a lot of it was like, well, how can they have like Black nursing association groups? Like, I want to join the nursing association, but it says Black in the front and I'm not Black. Or like, how can they dance like that? Like, I want to dance like that. I want to have rhythm. And it was just like reading all of these different things. And I was like, your white privilege has you saying these things in print. Like you, you actually wrote these things down about why black people annoy you and the things they, that we do that annoy you. Like why, when the new black person starts, does that black person run to all the other black people? What do you mean? Oh, I see what you mean. They were telling us things that um, black people do that are suspicious. Like why, why it annoys them that we like do certain things that are like our protective statements, like the protective measures that we make that annoy them. That's what I was reading. Why do you have a black nursing association? Because at one point the white nursing association wouldn't accept this. So we had to create a separate space. Why do you beeline as a new hire to the black person? Because I'm trying to figure out the lay of the land in this white ass company. So I need to ask my homegirl what the situation is before the person- Trying to figure out how to retain my job. And now you're annoyed. (laughs) I think when I was thinking about this topic about white privilege, you know, I feel like it's very, it's intersectional and it's also very layered because as a woman, I naturally gravitate towards and build relationships with other women, white women, brown women, black women, women from all different backgrounds and nationalities, but very, very close relationships with white women. And I think that the white female privilege is almost on a a different spectrum than just white male privilege. I mean, I expect white men to just be white men and exercise, as Stephanie says, that white boy energy. Um, I expect that. I think that in, uh, you know, it's hard enough being a woman in this patriarchal society. And so naturally women, we, you know, form camaraderie. And I've actually found myself experiencing white privilege on a different spectrum, on a vast spectrum with women, with white women predominantly. Some exercised beautifully and not necessarily in, in my bias, but even being in a, a mixed race relationship and seeing my partner exercise her privilege, like for us, truly for us, getting in the front of, you know, protest lines um, and using her white body to stand in between, you know, police and, and myself. And then I've also experienced it where it's almost to say, like a white woman's regulating me or trying to tell me how I should act, trying to tell me how I should speak, speaking for me or trying to translate things that I've already said to make sure that my message lands appropriately with my with my audience, you know, being silenced and also experiencing that white female fragility in your friends sometimes where it's like, okay, well, I'm white, you're black, and I want to know how to better help you, but don't come off too brash. And why are you getting upset? And why can't you just explain to me 
you know, uh, how I can be an ally. Why don't you just explain to me why this is wrong? I don't want to look it up. You're my friend. Why shouldn't you just explain this to me? And in that self, your ignorance is a privilege, right? I just think just (laughs) the dynamics, right, of white privilege. And then to add, as Rachel was speaking about in, in the article, to add a layer of white feminism, it's just such a compound issue. I was going to say in her article, she also mentions, which was interesting, this whole like, you know, you, you mentioned mansplaining, but like women'splaining and how like when there was that feminism wave of, you know, F the patriarchy and feminism and like new terms like mansplaining and really this like men versus women, it was not all women. It was white women versus men. And that's the white feminism that she's referring to. Exactly. Another thing I was going to mention too was like one of the things she pointed out was the white savior complex. And I think in the black community, we certainly know what that is. And I find that like right now there's a black lives matters movement. I have no, like some, it's almost gotten to the point of being countless of like how many people have like tried to make themselves an ally and like grandstanding, like I donated to the NAACP and like my sister has like two adopted black kids from Ethiopia. And it's like, that is not good enough for you to be considered a part of the allyship. And like the white privilege element is the ability to protect your ego and feelings of guilt by trying to align with a marginalized community like black people. Like your sister who adopted children, black children, does not make you a black ally. It does not, and your privilege allows you to explain that to me and and want to describe your poor upbringing as an example of the suffering my people have done for 400 years. Like what? Because you grew up in a poor black neighborhood as a white person. Now you know what I'm going through. No, no, no. Like oh. I picked myself up by my bootstraps and I'm, com- I'm committed to the community. And like, no, that's not good enough. And, and I don't need that from you. Mm-hmm. Or centering, you know, when you go and I've experienced a lot of a centering. I think this is a Rachel's terminology. Forgive me if I have it wrong, but when you go to describe or you're asked, so, you know, why are we in the state that we're in? And you go to explain that. <laughs> to someone of privilege. And then they go to, you know, exasperate the issue and say, well, you know, there's racism all over the world and people are marginalized all over the world. The world's just screwed up. And, you know, I've experienced this issue. And then, you know, the Japanese don't like the Chinese and all, and all of these things completely. Okay. You know, Karen, let's center. Okay, come come back to the topic at hand. I understand there are broader world issues. However, the issue today, right now, and ha- what has always been is your white privilege and disparate treatment of Black people. Yeah. Well, I think what's kind of another dangerous thing about white privilege with white women is like white women can toe the line of being like, oh, white man, protect me from the scary mm-hmm. Black people. But like, Ooh, black women, let's get the white boys. And like, they can always like toe that line. And so again, they're opting in and opting out. But what also allows them, what, what they do is they can resource funds, relationship connections to create spaces, whether it's the wing, whether it's career contessa, whether it's whatever digital spaces or in-person spaces are created for women are usually created by white women who have somehow benefited 
from white patriarchal systems to create these feminist spaces that are resourced by white patriarchal systems that will never represent us, you know? And so it's like this weird loop of how could you ever say you're in solidarity with black women when the resources to create the platform, why you're even the director, all these reasons that you're in this white woman's in a leadership role are because of the patriarchy. Like, it's really hard for me to be like, yeah, feminism, when any feminist leader, any white female feminist leader has greatly impacted from racist white patriarchal systems. Mm -hmm. And so I think like there's a, there's a distinct danger in white women because of that line towing, because they can choose to resource black people in certain ways. And then they can choose to weaponize those resources against us. And so like, I know not to be like a wet blanket about white women all the time, but I just always want to over overly emphasize that this is why I'm black before I'm a woman. Like this is why I'm always identifying with my blackness and my race before I can ever, like I don't consider myself a feminist because feminism has never done anything for me. Like womanism has focusing on black women, but feminism it has not protected me and it has not gotten me paid more. It has not elevated me. And so I just like, I think the path I'm on now professionally and personally is, is there a future for me in solidarity with white women? And is there a future for me within feminism that is supposed to encompass all women? And I really don't know, you know, I I feel like a lot of, I wonder if you guys have ever grappled with that. Like what's my future in like spaces that are led by white women? What's my future in feminist spaces that are led by white women? especially professionally, because those spaces are usually the ones who are first ready to talk about race and and white supremacy and stuff. And so I'm interested to see how you, do you guys feel like hopeful or something? Because I don't feel hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a good one, Steph. That's, That's a really good one. And I've had all white female bosses. So there is, and I've never, you know, owned my own business yet. And so there is, you know, there's always this, like a dangling carrot, right? And I, I hate to unpack this this way or articulate this way, but this is truly how I feel, is that the fate or my value is always being tested or always, I always need to prove myself to my white female bosses. And so in that, there is a uncomfortability right? Mm -hmm. Are my true, you know, what's best for me? Is that going to stem from this relationship? Or does she even have that in mind? You know, is she trying to finger pin me into one position because that's where it benefits her? These types of thoughts, I think, and I'm sure, you know, many Black women can relate, or maybe I'm just saying that because I don't want to be the only one, but... I think about that all the time. (laughs) I think the only way we're going to feel hopeful is if we have a legitimate commitment consistently. Like when this is not popular anymore, we have commitment from the women in our world to do better and be better. And it it goes back to episode one, which if you haven't listened, make sure you do. Shameless plug, not mad. (laughs) <laughs> but if you, you know, it's peeling <laughs> link below. Um, it is about peeling back everything you think you know about Black women and starting over. That is the only way that this mm-hmm. is going to feel safe for us is when we stop generalizing and we stop thinking we know 
and, and Sweet Jesus, diversity and inclusion, nominating the one black woman at your company, <laughs> diversity and inclusion, ain't it. That ain't it. Yeah. That's a quotable, my baby. <laughs> right? Pens and paper like, moment. Like, come on, man. Back everything you know about Black women and start over. Start over. It's the only way for us to feel safe is to start breaking down yeah. any... And, and I think it's, it's hard because you have to literally dig so deep in your psyche, similar to how we've built up a, a way of navigating through white world and, and other in the white privilege that they have to take away, like they've got to go back down into all the things they were taught. Because mm. people that think that they're allies of black people tell stories with undertones of fragility. Mm. And, and, I, and it's like, you hear something and someone was telling a story in, in a conversation recently, and this is a white man, and I don't like to talk about them too much, but he was like, oh, I didn't realize how ignorant I was to racism. I thought racism only existed in Southern southern states and you know i and my i realized my white privilege has made me ignorant to that you know but i was the only black Do they know how triggering that is no yeah. Yeah. that's why they say it. that's the privilege and, part <laughs> and, and that's and he had tears in his eyes and when he said and so he thought he was really like driving a point home and he said something that it took me a minute after the fact where he was like well i was the only one of the only white families in a black neighborhood and our house, you know, we were piss poor and we, we got robbed and then pause. So if you're telling me you're two white people in the neighborhood, but your neighborhood's black, that means you were telling me without telling me you were getting robbed by black people So in your story centering to try to connect to this diversity and inclusion. You have thus alienated me again. Mm -hmm. So stop. Mm -hmm. So just stop. Like, peel it all back and like white people sometimes don't think before they speak they just be talking and maybe like so word vomit and the rapture and it's like <laughs> and they don't realize you can that. feel it coming right you can feel it yes coming. they'll be like okay okay really quick okay it's like a locomotive like you <laughs> see <laughs> the steam coming you're like uh-uh uh-uh wait a minute off the track, <laughs> the track. abort (laughs) mission baby do it please don't do it and i think if i translate that right into how we can feel safer i think it's also important to give the feedback to black women that it is time to call a spade a spade and Mm -hmm. so you see that bull coming your way where some white person is trying to get you and tell you their story stop them in their tracks because we have not done that enough for fear of making them uncomfortable or having to have a dialogue we ain't ready to have that day. Mm-hmm. And I think we now have the door being open to be like, hey, Matt, stop. <laughs> what you're saying right now is not it. It's not the place. It's not the time. And I think it's really important that we do it in a way that is direct and it, it lands. Because I mm-hmm. think sometimes we dilly dally and we dance around it (laughs) you know do I want to say it do I not want to say it and sometimes we don't say it as directly as we should and so we need to make sure to be like hey Matt this story isn't it this story isn't isn't knocking me and let me help you explain let me explain to you why let me help you understand Mm -hmm. oh my god well you know how I took down the wing (laughs) (laughs) do tell as I sip I didn't take down the wing there 
I think the wing, the co-working space that hopefully is under the ground right now somewhere. I think the wing is an example of privileged, wealthy white women having the resources to create a space that was supposed to be for all women. And it ended up being for the women who started it, which are richer, exclusive New York city women. Being part of a co-working space that was supposed to be for all women, that was highly advertised as a safe space for Black women through their imagery and visuals of their social media, it, it, it's a, it was a joke. It was fake news, you know? And I think we've always known that, that when we see, when, when privileged white women create spaces for all women, it's not for us and we don't feel safe there. But mm. being part of that co-working space and really seeing how feminism is can be a really big joke because you can be somebody who started a multi-million dollar business for in support of women but also treat your staff like crap and ask for massages from the latinx women who are doing the cleaning and all of these things and so i just i don't know i i feel like safety is so important and that just to emphasize again how hard it is to feel safe in community with white people who have so much privilege. It's just, it doesn't feel, it feels like inherently safety is never going to be prioritized for us. Um, you're not telling the story. Right? <laughs> I was about to say, but what happened? <laughs> oh. The Bible is open it up. Oh, I mean, so the wing has a system where you're supposed to, if you pay to be a member there, you're a member there. You can come anytime. But if you have guests, your guests need to sign in. Your guests need to take a photo or whatever. And I got into an altercation with a guest of a white woman. It was a white female guest who was telling my girlfriend that she had parked in a spot. Nobody has parking spots at the wing, as probably Lauren, you know. LA. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck finding parking. <laughs> and so this guest was like, you know what? Fuck you guys for taking our parking spot. And we were like, whoa, you're going to say fuck you to three black women. We're going to wait a moment. We're going to the wing leadership right now. The wing <laughs> leadership was like, mm, we don't have enough info to kick this woman out, this guest who doesn't pay. I know all three of you bitches pay, but we don't have a lot of, you know, she, she said you called her a dyke. And so we got a, a dyke. That's not even part of my lexicon of words. I was like, she's lying. So you're going to believe this white woman who is a guest who you've never seen before instead of me and the three black women who are paying members here because we're saying we don't feel safe with this woman who gave us the finger and said, fuck you guys over an imaginary parking space. Like we were like, you guys only protect white women mm -hmm. and fuck y'all. Like mm. and that's the story. I think that's like a reminder. It's been a reminder to me. That's when it went downhill for me for white women and feminism. Like I was kind of neutral, but now I'm just like, Oh no, no, no. Like I have to prioritize my safety. And that doesn't, you know, mean being in community with people who have so much privilege. Nope. Stephanie posted about it and a chain started. And didn't you email, is the lady's name Audrey? Didn't you email her and give her a piece of your mind? Yeah, a whole bunch of things happened. But at the end of it, they they had to admit that they weren't prepared to, pre they, they, they did not feel prepared to protect us, is what they said in the nicest way. So, and I think... Not a lot of white institutions admit that, so good for them for admitting you don't have the enabling environment to protect black women, but also like cease to exist then. 
(laughs) what does that consist of? How do you protect us differently than you protect our white peers? What is different in your advocation? I'm a paying member. That's beyond me. What your dollar isn't good enough, Stephanie. I know. It doesn't equate to the same dollar that this white woman wasn't paying. Didn't pay. And she stayed and they left for the day because they were pissed off. And so like that to me, yeah. It's about the optics though. Mm-hmm. A part of their privilege is also knowing that they have to protect their own first over everything. That's how you maintain power in these equations. Like you can't do the right thing when the right when the opportunity is presented. Mm, that's such a good point, Nevia. That and so you can't prioritize the the people who are always at the bottom of the totem pole. Mm. Down to the totem pole, down the totem pole with them. But start to wrap up as we wind down. No, we've given the white women who listen to this a lot of information. We have dragged you a little bit, but we've also given you some resources and some information. So what can we share as we wrap up for the black women that are listening? How can we do the right thing to navigate and win in white privilege? I think to Jasmine's point is to make it simple and say, stop asking me these specific questions of my needs when you have needs. You've experienced needing something professionally, needing something personally. Like put yourself in Black women's shoes and ask yourself what you would need to to thrive and not just survive. Self-regulate, control your emotions, your thoughts, your behavior. Ask yourself before you ask a Black woman or before you regulate a Black woman or police her, why does this bother me? Why does this trade or whatever she's saying bother me? And does this need to be addressed? And why can't I allow this woman to live in her truth? Mm. Yeah. I think it's a real commitment to consciously making better choices, consciously saying, hey, this person is someone who deserves a voice, deserves a seat at the table, deserves, you know, has all the, the same things that I have, the same wants and needs and desires in life. So let me give them, give them that space to achieve, uh, to, to feel what they feel and feel protected before I think about my feelings first. It's, it's a little bit of empathy, I think, that we're just asking for, period. Mm-hmm. Say Black women, Jasmine, I think, or Anivia both, you started saying, say like no and self-regulate. I think I would give the same feedback to Black women. I think the only way and this is going to be scary for us because as we discussed previously, we tend to like take whatever white people want to give us because we know it's an opportunity. But I think the only other way we're going to be able to affect change is by saying no. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's shutting down white friendships that don't serve you. Mm-hmm. That is sometimes saying no to white roles that aren't going to support you. Sometimes that is having to correct a white woman even when she feels uncomfortable with the feedback you're giving her and just standing in that power and and realizing that we can, in the same way we're saying white people cannot operate the way they've been operating, neither can we. And we just start taking the steps forward. Thousand percent agree. There's no, there should be no more Black success from a token perspective. There should only be space for Black people claiming things that they want. Like I look around at my specific community and I see my sorority sisters who have started businesses and they are excelling and growing. And I think supporting each other and releasing some of this previous experience that has so clouded your ability to move forward and progress is is what you have to do. 
Cheers to the abolishment of code switching, because that's when we can truly just live in our truth, show up how we are supposed to show up, right? How we want to show up. One day. That day. To that day. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Shay, Jasmine, Nevia, Stephanie. This is always a really insightful and interesting conversation. And I know white privilege was a a big topic that we're trying to cover in in a short amount of time. Uh, To everyone listening, we will be back with another episode next month. So stay tuned. Once again, thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. We absolutely love hearing from you all. And don't forget, we have more episodes in our special series, Black Women In, coming soon. And a big thank you to my girls, Jasmine, Nevia, and Stephanie for lending their voices and stories to this episode. Lastly, I want to remind you guys that Shay is one of our incredible career coaches through our service here called Hire a Mentor. If you're feeling like it's time to invest in some one-on-one personalized career coaching, but don't know where to start, we've got you covered and you can learn more about Hire a Mentor and how to book Shay all in the show notes, along with all the contact information for Jasmine, Nevia, Stephanie, and I link to both the article and those earlier episodes as well.